With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Yardy, joined by Scotty White. Little later in the week here with you on Wednesday, February 16th, as we head into Thursday, February 17th. So a little later than usual, but we had to get you a show here this week as we start to hit the final stretch of the college basketball regular season. Scotty, what's going on, man? March is right around the corner, my friend. Yeah, dude, I'm getting I'm getting excited for it and I'm I'm getting nervous for it too because I mean it's been it's been a, a few years since Michigan wasn't in the tournament. Uh, but like it just totally ruined March for me. So I'm hoping that we don't get a repeat of that. Um, but nonetheless, I'm excited uh, for the final stretcher of the season. Yeah, a lot of work to be done, but a lot of opportunities as well. You know, yeah. that's kind of how I've, I'm choosing to look at it, especially with a lot of games coming up at Chrysler down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we've got that to touch on here. We're going to be talking some men's hoops, obviously. Uh Big news on the football front, though. I don't. Well, I don't know if it's big news. We just kind of all expected it, but the Harbaugh contract uh, finalized. Might touch on that a little bit later in the show. But first and foremost, as we sit here on the back half of February, Scotty, with like we said, March coming up, just seven games left in the regular season for this Michigan hoops team. And man, I mean, we haven't talked since the Purdue game, and, and like that was crazy. Number three team in the country comes to Chrysler, and Michigan runs them off the floor. But at the end of the day, man, when they're hitting shots, we've seen this time and time again this year. We saw it, you know, in the first game uh, at Nebraska in the first conference game of the season. We saw it when they went to Assembly Hall against Indiana. But this team hasn't consistently 
been able to do something like that where they're able to just kind of shoot the lights out like they did against Purdue shooting 57% from deep 12 of 21 in that game holding Purdue to 4 of 18 from 3 you're going to win a lot of games doing that and then they turn around and, and they can't hit water if they fell out of a boat the, the very next game at Chrysler against Ohio State yeah dude it's so weird like you just don't really know which team is going to show up and and I, you've, I've seen the growth, you know, I'm sure you've seen it too. Like a lot of these games, uh, a lot of these close games Michigan's had um, probably wouldn't have been wins uh, earlier in the season. And, um, and you know, the, the Purdue game, definitely the best showing of the year. I mean, that was just awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, that Ohio State game right after that, it's just, it's, it's kind of hard to, to imagine how you go from just the, absolute complete opposite ends of the spectrum just like that um but you do got to remember that that was their fifth game or right. their third game right, in right, five right. days i mean that's that's definitely got to play a toll in it um or put a toll on the players um but i mean yeah it just it it, it the consistency has been a problem the whole year um and i'm hoping that uh, i mean two huge road games this week you got to think that they've got to come away with one of those hopefully the long rest from saturday to thursday um, we'll, we'll have these guys fully 100% ready to go um, against Iowa. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, it, it, it's a tough next three games because you're on the road for, for the next two, right? You have to go to Iowa. Then you're on the road to the Kohl Center. Lord knows that is not an easy place to go get a W. But your first game back home against a Rutgers team that is playing incredible basketball right now. As we record, the, you know, this podcast here tonight, Rutgers was a big on Illinois, it was you know fifty-eight to thirty-seven in the second half. Trying to get an update here on my uh, my ESPN app, but it's not really updating because I know it's yeah. uh, a little bit closer. I think to the end of the game here, but Rutgers playing really really good basketball right now, yeah. man. Yeah, according to mine, they're up fifty-eight thirty-seven with seven minutes left. Um, yeah, I actually wanted to touch on that because I don't understand how Rutgers is only they're, they're projected the first four in I get they had the three really really bad losses at the beginning of the season um but I mean I mean after this they'll certainly shoot up some more but I mean they're going to be 10 and 5 in the Big Ten um I think 16 and 9 17 and 9 with their overall record I mean Rutgers is is looking like one of the best teams in the Big Ten right now yeah exactly so I mean, that, <laughs> it's no easy task even when you finally get back home here after, you know, being on the road. So, I mean, you know, there there's a couple brackets that have Michigan in right now is maybe as an 11 or 12 seed. Uh, ESPN does it, 131, five-star. They do not. Um, th there's only a few handful of brackets that do actually have Michigan in, you know, right now. So, I... I a lot of work left to be done. It's very possible, though. It's not like this is some incredibly tall task. I look at it like this, man. Uh, as you're currently sitting, you need to get about three. You need to get three more wins to finish 500 in the regular season of the Big Ten. That gets you really close. If you add one more win in the Big Ten tournament, that might cement things because when you think about it. At Iowa, at Wisconsin, home to Rutgers, home to Illinois, home to Michigan State, home to Iowa, at Ohio State. If you win three of those games, you're going to have three quad one wins added to your resume, and all of a sudden the thing looks a little good. You're probably looking at an 11 or 10 seed if you do if you are able to win three games down the stretch here. Yeah, definitely. And and at this point, you know, it's not worrying about seeds; it's just worrying about getting in. Right. Uh, 
and yeah, it's that's I'm I'm honestly really happy with the way Michigan's schedule played out and that they have all of these tough games down the road because you know if 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 they've got you know Nebraska it seems like that down the stretch here if you win it, it doesn't really do anything and if you lose it just kind of kills you so I think it's good um, you know it's going to be a lot of tough games but like you said three wins over 500 in the Big Ten or 500 in the Big Ten um, but yeah I think that's that's the absolute the absolute minimum has got to be three down the stretch here. Yeah, and, and the defense really has to show up down the stretch, man. Yeah. You know, you look at the last three games, the defense has shown up a little bit. Obviously, it got away from them against Ohio State, but for the most part, that was a good defensive performance against the Buckeyes. I think they, you know, that being the third game in five days, they just kind of lost their legs at the end yeah. of that thing, allowing 68, but allowed only 58 to Purdue 57 on the road to Penn State I mean that was a nice win for the Nittany Lions that's not an easy place to go win as Michigan State found out yesterday you know and Michigan down the stretch I think they're starting to come around defensively you mentioned the growth earlier right and I think that is where I see it most is that Eli Brooks at the beginning of the year right kind of talked about the personnel on this team and the the chance of or how great of a chance to be great on the defensive end this team had. And we haven't seen it a whole lot this year. And then a little later, Eli Brooks came out and he talked about this isn't high school anymore. Got to learn how to play physical. I think they've been working through some of that stuff, finishing defensive possessions with rebounds. And the defense is starting to come together. And if they start playing solid defense down the stretch, man, I think there's three very, very winnable games. I think Michigan could win maybe four down the stretch and really solidify things going into March. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, and yeah, dude, I mean, the defense against Purdue as well. I mean, 58 points yeah. I got given up to Purdue, which was their lowest total since Michigan and Purdue played last season. Um, yeah, and it, it's a shame that that the, the three-point shooting wasn't there just a little bit um, against Ohio State because Michigan really played well enough to win that game. There were just so many missed open looks, not just threes either, like even – even ones at the basket, there were some missed layups. Um, but yeah, I mean, any any home game in college basketball is going to be a winnable game. So four in a row here, Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan, Iowa. I mean, those are all very winnable games. Michigan's gone on the road and beaten Indiana by um, around 20 points on the road. Um, so, I mean, we know what they're capable of. It's, it just is going to depend on which team shows up on which day. Well, let me ask you this then, Scotty. What is your confidence level that they could win enough games down the stretch to get into the tournament? Honestly, I I feel pretty confident. Um, I mean, I think that I I have always been a pretty optimistic fan when it comes to Michigan football and basketball. But looking at looking at their schedule right now, I I think that Michigan is gonna be able to find a way to squeak one of these road games out. And I think that they're going to get at least three of the home games. And so I'm, comp- I'm I, I think Michigan's going to find a way to go four and three down the stretch. And I think that, I mean, knock on wood here, but Michigan typically does pretty well in the Big Ten tournament as well. I think they'll be able to go there and win at least one. Um, and I think that four and three down the stretch with a win in the Big Ten tournament would, would do it. And I think that Michigan is quietly playing some pretty good basketball right now. They you are. know, obviously, yeah. obviously, the the everyone's looking at the Purdue game. You know, is that a fluke or not? But you go back to it, man. The last nine games, this team's six and three. Their mm-hmm. losses coming on the road to Michigan State, on the road to Purdue, and 
at home to Ohio State in, in which they were in it the whole game, but ultimately the legs gave out because it was their third game in five days. Like, this team is quietly playing some really good basketball, and if they keep this going, man, they not only, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, they still have to make the tournament here, but this is a team that, you know, you probably don't want to see if they're able to get in. Like, if you're a six seed, do you want to see 11 seed Michigan? Like, I don't think that you would if, if they're able to find a way to get in here. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of, uh, of Michigan State at the end of last season. They, they kind of found their footing. Um, we're playing some really good basketball. And I was looking at the projected brackets, and I'm like, man, if, I, if my team was a five seed or six seed, I would, would not want to see uh, a team like that in the first round. Um, and I feel like those are the kind of teams, like the power five teams that just squeak into the tournament as 11 and 12 seeds. Those are the teams that make the runs. You know, Oregon State is a 12 seed. Um, How about UCLA and, last year? Is it 11 exactly. seed in the first four? Yeah all the way to the, to the final four. I mean, cause those are, those are the kind of teams that, you know, they've traditionally made it to March. They know how to play in March. Um, and, and Michigan under Beeline and under Juwan, um, they just, they, those teams just seem to, to get better and, and really find their stride um, right at the, the end of the season. I mean, last year, Michigan lost livers. People were concerned going into the tournament. Um, and then they just kind of found it at the right time, obviously fell a little short in the elite eight, but I mean, Elite Eight's a pretty good run. Now, on the flip side of things, man, it, it is a little concerning because they did play all those games in a short amount of time, and now you got a long rest. But they were playing good. I If they come out rusty tomorrow night or tonight, if you're listening here on Thursday, against Iowa on the road, I mean, things could snowball quickly as you travel to Wisconsin, yeah. home to Rutgers. Like, things could get out of hand quickly if you come out rusty against Iowa on Thursday night. Yeah, definitely. Iowa's a, Iowa's a good team. Um, Keegan Murray, uh, Jordan Bohannon's taken a little bit of a step back this year, but he's a, he's a great player. They just, you know, they, they've, they've got a lot of shooters. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, with two back-to-back road games in the big 10, I mean, that's always a, a chance for some bad things to happen. And at the end of the day, man, the, the committee is going to look pretty heavily at the net rankings. It's the NCAA's mm-hmm. rankings. Obviously there are some serious flaws, uh, in the net rankings, I'm looking at Iowa sitting at number 19 while Wisconsin is at 21, whereas Wisconsin has three more overall wins. They've got nine more quad ones, quad one wins, Scotty. They're nine and three. Wow. Uh, I believe it's the most quad one wins in the country, Wisconsin. Uh, Iowa is 0-5 in quad one games. Wisconsin's got two fewer quad two wins, but one fewer loss than Wisconsin, and they've got one more quad three loss with the same amount of wins. Like, if it's the quad three loss that drops them below Iowa somehow, there's some serious flaws. Any way you shake it, I have no idea how Iowa is ahead of Wisconsin uh, in the net rankings, but Michigan right now with a couple of wins probably going to vault up because they rank 36th uh, as it stands right now. They're going to have a lot of chances to move up pretty high in these net rankings, which ultimately I would imagine would solidify uh, their chances of making the NCAA tournament. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and one one question that I that I have for you here: of the four remaining games against ranked teams, which one do you think that Michigan has the best chance of taking? I would say now, obviously, I'm setting myself up for, you know, a very freezing cold take here, uh, Scotty (laughs) White, you know. uh, But with the way 
that Michigan State has been inconsistent here this year. Mm-hmm. That one at home, I think they have a, a really good chance. At, or, well, I don't want to say really good chance. That's probably not the right word. I think that <laughs> would that would be their best chance. And I know that sounds blasphemous with Rutgers, you know, also coming to Chrysler here. Uh, but they're not a ranked team. That wasn't your that wasn't your question. So I would say, you know, Michigan State. Obviously, Illinois can get got though. I don't know how much stock I put into tonight, given Rutgers is really good at the rack. Like really yeah, good yeah. at the rack. They're a completely different team there. They are, um, but yeah, no, I I totally agree. And and that one just seems like one Michigan has to have, you know, in the rivalry. But my one concern for not only that game, but some, these home games, um, Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois, is that that's during Michigan's spring break. Ooh, um, so you don't the atmosphere might be lacking a little bit, hey. Yeah, I don't know how many students are going to be there on Thursday night at 9 p.m. on spring break and 8:30 p.m. Maybe some will still be there for the sen- Sunday game against Illinois, but that, uh, Can can we get rid about. of these 9 p.m. start times by the way? Seriously, dude. What what is the deal with these things, man? Like save those for somewhere in, in the central time zone. We do not need them here in Michigan. We do not. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 Michigan did a, the, the fans did a good job uh, last Thursday against Purdue. It was a little quiet at first, but once Michigan got the big lead, uh, the fans did a, a good job despite how late it was. But, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of, of the 9 p.m. starts. What, uh, what is your take, by the way? I see a lot of people you know, on Twitter, almost every home game, they're asking to expand the maze rage. You on board with that? Yeah, honestly, because – I, I mean, against Ohio State, I was expecting there's a there's a decent turnout um, that that ended up showing up. But I mean, like ten minutes before tip off, it like sent a picture to my dad. It was like pretty empty in there besides the student section. Um, and and one thing that I've noticed too is Michigan will you know get a get a big bucket. Uh, it's a, it's an important part of the game. The guys on the bench stand up. And they're like motioning for everybody to get up and be loud. The student section is on their feet. They're obviously loud the whole game. And nobody else except for the student section, they rarely will stand up and, and consistently make noise. And I just, that, that frustrates me because other, other places in college basketball have such a good home court advantage. And I feel like Michigan doesn't quite have that. Yeah, it's almost uh, we get a lot of out, you know, the Ohio State game notwithstanding, we get a a lot of complaints about the same thing kind of in football, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what it is, man, but I mean, this is at your home court, you're supposed to have an advantage. Like the Camry Crazies, they provide a heck of an advantage, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, I know the Izone generally does. uh, Apparently, you know, I haven't, uh, you know, seen a, you know, watch a ton of Michigan State games at the Bresner paid that much attention, but I see the kind of the back and forth on Twitter that, you know, maybe the is zone isn't, you know, as, as good this year as it has been in years past, but we know the Breslin is one of the toughest places to play uh, because of that, you know, the Cole center, good Lord, Michigan's going to find that one out on Sunday, you know, because a lot of these guys too, man, that were on that team last year that went to the Cole center, that really wasn't in front of any fans. So it's going to be a whole different ball game here this year on Sunday. Yeah, it is always concerning with with this team to go on the road because not many of them have done that. Um, that's why I was so surprised and impressed with that Indiana game because right. Assembly Hall is one of the tougher places to play in the Big Ten. 
And that was just a dominant performance from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was, well, that was one of the games, right? Like, Michigan, like, legit could be the best team in the country if they shoot, you know, between 40 and 50% from three. Yeah. And I know that sounds like, yeah, man, a lot of teams are going to be good if they shoot that good from three. But Michigan is talented enough and has been playing good enough defensively. You saw it in the Purdue game. Purdue got ran off the floor. That's the number three team in the country. I don't, like, Purdue... I don't think they lost by more than three going up to that point. That might be an exaggeration, yeah. but I don't think it's much of one. Um, it, like, the way Michigan was able to handle them just from shooting the basketball well, I mean, they can beat anybody in the country if they are shooting 40 to 50%, but it just comes so uh, far and few between. Yeah, and it's so it's funny because the, the, these games where Michigan shoots like that, like uh, there's the Nebraska game earlier in the season, Indiana, Purdue. I mean, they're winning those games by 20 plus points. Um, so they really don't, they don't need to shoot 50% from three, you know, they could have for, avoided to miss five of those threes and still win the game. And that's the thing that's so weird to me is that I feel like it's either they shoot 55% or they shoot 10% from three. I mean, there's not, there's no, why not just like a consistent, like 30%, you know, I feel like they still would have won against Purdue against Indiana, um, obviously against Nebraska on the in the season, uh, you know they didn't need to to have the the fifty five percent. I feel like they just need the the consistent thirty to forty percent shooting. You know, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can recall like a streakier team in college basketball in recent yeah. memory. I really can't. I mean, it's, I, it, I it's unreal, either. you know, because it's it's legit contagious with them. If they see a couple go down, everyone's going to get in on the party. If there's mm-hmm. a couple of misses, I, I mean, even, you know, like like in a game like that, you're even going to see Brandon Johns hit, knocking down threes from the corner with ease. You're going to see Terrence Williams, you know, with confidence pulling up and hitting threes. Like, But when things aren't going that way, then everyone's bricking, and, it, and it's just bad all over, you know. So it is the utmost – Contagion in college basketball is Michigan shooting. It's either happening or it ain't because misses are contagious and makes are contagious with this group. Yeah, it, it, it really is bizarre. Um, and, you know, it's it's got to uh, – the consistency just has to come um, before, before the end of the season because, I mean, obviously, once it gets to March, if, if you take one game off, then you're bounced just like that, so – yeah, and it's obviously this stretch, you know, we're, we're not, you know, breaking any news here. We're not solving the world's problems. We, Hunter Dickinson, you know, he's going to have to still play incredible down the stretch here for Michigan to have a chance because he's been playing amazing as of late. He ultimately needs to step up as a leader, but when he's hitting threes, good Lord, man, this team can play. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, I mean, and Juwan said it best in one of the, I think it was the, press conference after the Purdue game um but and I feel the same way he said that when every time Hunter Dickinson takes a shot from the outside he feels like it's going in honestly I feel the same way I don't have any more confidence in any player on the team shooting the three ball than I have with Hunter Dickinson which is not something that I thought I would say at the beginning of the season right like when he's shooting a three I exactly I feel like it's going in it's a weird it's a weird feeling I'm like wanting him to shoot a three on every single possession right Oh, man, yeah. And 
You know, I think Devontae Jones has been playing better. I've been, a, you know, a bit of a critic of him, especially in the first half of the season. I think he's starting to come on. I think he's starting to find his role a little bit as well on this team. Yeah, definitely. He uh, he has definitely grown um, as the season has gone on. Um, and also, I think that Eli Brooks lately has been doing a yeah. really good job of, of, of getting him getting open. I mean, he he was really the only one that was knocking down some outside shots against Ohio State. Um, that in the, in the second half of the Purdue game, I think he had two points in the first half and 16 in the second half. Um, he's, he's been doing a great job of, of getting open. And I mean, he's one of the, probably the most consistent three point shooter on the team, I would say. For sure. I also think though, that like, I, it's late in the season, but I still think Jawan Howard, Jawan Howard isn't a hundred percent sure what lineups he wants to go with at times, what rotations. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's still feeling that out with his team. You know, Kobe Bufkin is getting a lot more time as of late. Uh, you know, what? which Frankie Collins are you going to get? That's going to dictate a lot of things, I think, for him. So, and, you know, how do you handle Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams and Musa Diabate? You know, like, there's still a lot of questions, I feel like, with the rotations on this team that Juwan Howard is still trying to feel out here this late in the season. Yeah, I definitely agree. There are sometimes some lineups out there um, that are a little questionable. Um, and, and you mentioned Frankie Collins. I think Frankie is, you know, he always comes in and provides a lot of energy. Um, but I think one thing Michigan just hasn't had in so long is, and, and Mike Smith actually was, was pretty good three points yeah. last year, but I mean, the point guards usually, I don't, I can't, I obviously Frankie Collins has hit a three this year, but I, I cannot think, of a time where I saw him make a three. Yeah, we haven't, man, I, I think I saw Chris Castellani, you know, talk about this on Twitter in, in kind of the, or I think it was him, maybe it was someone else, someone about, you know, a, a Michigan point guard, you know, that that's a good shooter like Derek Walton or Trey Burke, you know, it's it, it's been a while because wow. obviously Xavier Simpson, he was a little bit better, you know, his senior year. Uh, and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mike Smith last year was able to shoot the three ball uh, a little bit, but they weren't like super scoring guards like we saw with Derek Walton and Trey Burke. And I wonder if Michigan's ever going to get back to that. Yeah. I mean, when you have a guy like Derek Walton or a guy like Trey Burke, it just takes so much stress off of everybody because those are the kind of guys that can just really go and get you a bucket whenever you need a bucket. You know who else was great at that? Scotty. Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman. He was, man. He is honestly one of the best shooters that I have seen at Michigan in my life. Dude, every time I feel like Michigan needed a big bucket, they went to Mar. Mm-hmm. They did. I mean, and I feel like they they have been missing that a, a little bit as of late. Even the the last couple of years, you know, I, I don't know what it was about Mar, but he was able to get to the rack. He was able to hit knockdown three-pointers. And I think, you know, Michigan even lacked that a little bit on last year's team in that Elite Eight game, you know, when Franz was yeah. off. And, you know, uh, obviously they didn't have Isaiah Livers in that game. You know, who could you go to in that situation? And, and they didn't really have that, and that's why they ultimately ended up losing that game. Yeah, and that, that definitely is a big issue with this team because yeah. when, when they get in the slump and, and a team is covering Hunter well down low, there, there's really nobody that, that's going to go and get you a bucket. Yeah, they, they rely a lot on the offensive system to facilitate mm-hmm. shots. And, and, you know, ultimately, 
that's that's good for a for a lot of the game for a good majority of the game you, you should run the offense you should get the defense moving get them out of position identify mismatches but guess what man sometimes you just need to go and get a bucket and and that is that is an issue because you know Hunter Dickinson can be that guy if you're able to get him the ball though like he can't go out on the perimeter size someone up and hit a pull-up at someone's face. Like, they they just don't have that guy that we thought maybe Caleb Houston was going to be, but he's been, you know, kind of more of a knockdown shooter here this year. And if he could get that into his game like Nick Stauskas did, I don't know what Caleb Houston's future is, but if he could make that transition like next year, that would be amazing. He just doesn't have that game in him this year. Yeah, and yeah, he certainly has been playing better as of late. Um, and, and that actually brings up a question that, that I was going to ask you, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were kind of thinking Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, one and duns. What, uh, what are you, what are you expecting to come from them in the off season this year? What do you think they're going to do? Man, that is a great question because Caleb was going to be a lottery pick. I don't know if mm-hmm. he still is. The thing about Musa is that he is long and athletic, and the NBA, you know, if, if your measurables are fantastic like Moose's are going to be, someone's going to mm-hmm. probably take a chance on you in the first round. I, yeah. I So I think if, if he wants to, I think he'd still be a first-round pick. I'm not 100% sure uh, about Caleb Houston, given. But ultimately, man, Caleb has sneakily been putting in some pretty good numbers, so I could very much still see him being a one-and-done. I think he could be a late lottery pick, given, you know, potentially we'll see what his measurables would be uh, in that situation. I think, and I usually don't say this, right, because it's hardly ever true, you know, that they could use an extra year in college, but I actually think they could go through Mm -hmm. an offseason with Cam Sanderson and, you know, really add some things to your game like Hunter Dickinson was able to do here this year. Like I said, if Caleb Houston could make that jump, you know, and and put some Nick Stauskas in him, you know, from his sophomore yeah. year, he could really solidify himself in the lottery. Uh, Musa just kind of learning more how to play uh, at an elite level. I think he would benefit from that. I think he would benefit greatly from not, you know, necessarily sharing the floor with Hunter Dickinson as well uh, in, in that sense next year. So I do think they, that an extra year of college would do both of them good. I usually don't say that. But at the end of the day, I think there's also a chance both are first-round picks. So, I mean, I say if you go get paid, go get paid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. That's uh, – I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I'll never – fault a player for wanting to go make millions of dollars in the NBA. And I never have understood when, when people do, but yeah, I definitely think that they, that they would benefit from it. And imagining those two uh, in a second year, man, that would be, they would be scary good. I mean, they're already, like you said, I mean, Musa, he's going to be a good NBA player. He's a freak athlete. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that, those two, if they come back next year, that is going to be a, a very dangerous duo on the Michigan basketball team. Yeah, I, I mean, also, like, look what it did for Franz, you know, to right, come back exactly. and, and what he's doing in his rookie year in the NBA. I, I do think for some people it is a good thing. I, I won't fault them if they don't, but I, I absolutely do think, especially for a guy like Caleb Houston, I think those are two really good, you know, potential comparables. I don't know if Caleb could ever play, you know, defense like, like Franz, you know, at yeah. the end of the day. 
but you know to to just have that and learn how to play and, and be a little more ready for the NBA game when you finally do get there, I think it would serve both of them well. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just just a matter of you know is that the decision that they make in which I I have no real you know feelings into how they feel about it. We'll see. Uh, you know, because I don't know how this experience has been for them, kind of the ups and downs of the season, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the expectations at the beginning of the season, um, I'm not sure that a lot of people, um, expected this. Um, but yeah, and you mentioned Franz and it's just funny. So many people last year when he went to the draft were, were saying, oh, he's, making a terrible mistake. Uh, he's not ready. Uh, so it has been great to see what he's done in, in the NBA this year. I mean, I think he has like the fourth best odds for um, rookie of the year right now. Yeah, he was a very underrated scorer. And at the end of the day, he was one of the best perimeter defenders in all of college basketball last year. There was, there's no brainer. He's going to be a lot of lottery pick. And really, if you could play defense, like that and have a little bit of scoring in you, you're going to do just fine in the league. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't seem, it seems like uh, there's not a lot of defense played in the NBA uh, nowadays. So you're definitely right that that is a trait they're looking for. So final stretch coming up, Iowa here tonight. If you're listening on the show on Thursday at Wisconsin on Sunday uh, before our next brewcast, looking forward to recapping both of those. Hopefully at least one win, if not both wins. I mean, we could be singing a totally different tune if those are a couple of W's uh, come our next brewcast, Scotty. We'll we'll see what happens. Cross your fingers for that because that would be a whole lot of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm uh, like I said earlier, man. I'm just hoping for one and one. Fingers crossed, they can go one and one. But man, two and zero. Oh, you're right, man. That would they be they be putting themselves in a pretty good position there. That would be great. All right, so real quick, uh, I don't even feel like there's a whole lot to discuss here, uh, Scotty, because we don't even have terms, but the news that came out today, Jim Harbaugh has signed an extension to be the University of Michigan head football coach through 2026. Again, we don't have terms. We don't know the numbers. Those will probably coming out at some point. I know the uh, Freedom of Information Act request will be going through as Michigan is a public university. We will be getting terms at some point. We just don't have them here today. Uh, This wasn't unexpected it's for another four years Scotty you know I I mean I don't know at least it provides a little bit of stability here I suppose and you know gives a little credence to what Jim Harbaugh is saying that he will be at the University of Michigan as long as they want him yeah definitely um yeah I mean we knew he was coming back so it was just a matter of time until this news came out um so yeah it's obviously wasn't anything um surprising or anything but yeah I mean the only thing uh I believe the contract go this one goes through 2026 right i believe yep okay yeah um yeah i mean really the only thing i'm looking is i'm just curious how much money they're going to be paying him right yeah i'm i'm guessing from the sounds of it sounds like you know we heard the rumors i think the base salary at least at the rumors was about 7.6 million um plus the incentives like he got this year so that contract could really be shooting up but uh i would imagine the numbers aren't going to be too far off of that when everything is all said and done the dust settles yeah that 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 sounds like about right um so i'm not sure when we'll hear about that but yeah that's that's really the only thing um that that is left to be said yeah i guess the coaching staff is set um we 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 haven't talked much about Jesse Minter or anything like that feels like 
at the end of the day, there's just going to be some continuity with the scheme. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a whole lot different. That's kind of how the uh, the hire felt there. Uh, Grant Newsom coming back and coaching the tight ends. I, I mean, I like the hires. I, I don't have anything uh, wrong. Sharon Moore is going to be the play caller. That one, though, surprised me a little bit. Matt Weiss going to be co-OC, but not the play caller. I actually thought it was going to be the other way around here. So I'm, I'm very intrigued about that. But it seems like, you know, the with the players dropping little hints, they, they seem to really like Sharon Moore and his idea of how to play uh, offense in, in the game of college football. Yeah. Um, I think it was Andrew Anthony who, who tweeted out, um, the thing about how excited he was um, yep. about Michigan's next move. And then he was seen with Harbaugh at the basketball game. So it's great to see the players are excited. Um, and with mentors, the new DC, um, I think that the, the most important thing there is like you said, the, the scheme isn't, isn't going to be changing, um, which is good. I mean, you don't want those, those guys to be going through a third, um, defensive scheme in three years. Right. So I think that's good. Uh, he's, he's a young guy. I think he's going to have a lot of similarities to, um, to McDonald. Um, and then, yeah, we were, we were pretty certain um, that the, the OC position would be taken from somebody that was already within the program. Um, so I think that that, I think the, both those positions, I was also a little bit surprised the way they went with that, but um, I think, I think that everything's in good hands and I'm honestly pretty, pretty excited um, that now it, it's starting to feel like the off season starting to get excited for next season. Now that I know everything is in place. Yeah. And at the end of the day, man, I trust Jim Harbaugh to go out. Yep. He went and made, you know, all the right hires last year. You know, we're not going to pretend like Don Brown wasn't good for a couple of years, you know, as the defensive coordinator at Michigan, especially his first year in 2016, you know, as he was brought in to stop Urban Meyer's offense. They did to an extent in 2016. At the end of the day, he, he's just made some great, you know, hires, you know, uh, I mean, you know, maybe a couple misses here than there. Pep Hamilton didn't quite work out, though. That could have been a very much talent issue given that 2017 team. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he, he goes out and he hires the best people that he can find, you know, may have been a thing where, you know, they, they weren't 100% sure or, or I mean, uh, they, they didn't have maybe the best options available at the defensive coordinator position, or they do feel Jesse Minter just, you know, at Vanderbilt didn't have a lot of talent to work with it, and they like what he does. Yeah. So, you know, I, I trust the judgment at the end of the day of Jim Harbaugh. He, he's really given me no reason not to. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like, it's, it's hard to look at, um, you know, the results of, of Vanderbilt's team, you know, obviously far and away the worst team in the SEC. And in the SEC, they're going up against really, really good teams every week. Um, so you can't really look too much into those numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it really just boils down to the trust. Like he did make all of the right hires last year. Um, and because of that, uh, I definitely feel confident that he's done the same thing this year. Yep. Excited to talk a little spring ball coming up here. And, oh, yeah. you know, man, we're, we're going to be having some fun with it. New, you know, hopefully, uh, late August and early September going to be here before you know it, but, uh, Really, before you know it, it's going to be March. So looking forward to a little college hoops as well as we talked about. Hopefully Michigan's going to be playing because, like you said, Scotty, man, it, it's March is just so much better when your team is is trying to make a run to the Final Four. It really is, man. It is no fun when you're watching other teams thinking about the the fact that your team should be playing right now. There's nothing worse than that. So, Scotty, where can we find you on social media, my friend? You guys can give me a Follow on Twitter at Scotty underscore covering football, basketball, and soon to be baseball here at Mason Brew. 
Oh, yeah, man. Looking forward to a great baseball season coming up as well. Oh, yeah. I love it. You can find me on yeah. Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Follow the Brewcast Show page at Brewcast Show and the Maze and Brew page at Maze and Brew. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. See all the fun stuff that we going on. We have going on there. Uh, if you could subscribe, rate, and leave a review for wherever you get your podcast, that would be fantastic as well. We really appreciate all those five-star reviews if you want to go ahead and help us out. But that's going to do it for us here tonight on Brewcast for Scotty White. I am Luke Giardi. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.